Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses with creative. Then the next block further down there was the Royal, then the Prince Edward was right opposite the Royal, then the Savoy. And we used to get fined if you were late for the half hour and fined for misbehaving on stage. Just for God's sake, do it better. (laughs) Sometimes that's all you can say. But when you've gone through that, you do get a lot of ego. And you go out there knowing that the one thing that's different every time is that audience. I didn't wake up until... I was in emergency. I was around the uh, world of actors as a child. Crawfords were needing a casting assistant. No business plan, no concept, no training. It's not something you could do now. Went to school on Friday, got on the bus on Saturday, auditioned for the show. They said, you've got the role. I never went back to school again. (laughs) Thank you. I've enjoyed being here talking about my favourite subject. Ego in check, me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and you're listening to The Stages Podcast. I am delighted to welcome musical theatre veteran Geraldine Morrow. Hers is an extensive career, listing a range of roles in our favourite musicals. She has worked in the West End and throughout England in musicals, plays, pantomime and television. Fifty years ago, Geraldine was touring Australia in the eponymous role of Charlie in the David Henniker and John Taylor musical Charlie Girl. Her castmates included Derek Nimmo, Anna Nagel and a young John Farnham. Now relishing being an octogenarian, Geraldine has quite a career to reflect upon and delightfully shares anecdotes from her celebrated turns in shows such as My Fair Lady, Nonsense, 1776, Side by Side by Sondheim, Once Upon a Mattress, Big River, The Phantom of the Opera and Into the Woods. I'd not met Geraldine previously, but we had shared several phone calls in the planning of the episode. We caught up in my visit to Melbourne over Christmas. We recorded in the church hall where she now teaches singing and established an instant rapport, especially as she came armed with a gift of the most exquisite shortbread and a lunch of the most delicious sandwiches, made just for the occasion. I had a ball meeting Geraldine. She is such a generous soul and is also one of the great leading ladies of Australia's musical theatre. I'm just a Broadway baby Walking off my tired feet Street to be in a show. Broadway, baby. Learning how to sing and dance. Waiting for that one big chance to be in a Play the maid to be an usher. 
closer. I I'm talking to you, sir. so much, Peter. Thank you for asking me. No, it's a delight. You're, you've, you're on my wish list from day one, I think, as one of the oh, wow. uh, the veterans of the um, musical theatre scene in Australia. You oh. don't mind being called a veteran? No, not at all. Yeah. I, I know how old I am, yes, so not at all. <laughs> you've got a, quite a number of shows under your belt. I have, indeed, yes. Um, going right back to 1959, My Fair Lady, well, like before My Fair Lady, over in Perth, I was born in Perth. And my, I was born into a show business family. Both my parents were in show business, a couple of my aunts. And what about your grandparents? Was there a few generations? Or? Well, my grandmother was more to do with wardrobe, making costumes. Right. And then Kevin Johnson's mother, my cousin Kevin, his mother, Auntie Peg, she was in show business. My youngest aunt, Auntie Kath, my mum's youngest sister was, and my mum... And my, my dad, my mum my and dad ran a, a ballroom dancing school in, in Perth. That, that's, that's where they met, because my mother had it first. My dad came to learn ballroom, ballroom dancing, and she taught him, and then they got married. My mother also had another big dancing school in Perth for children doing all sorts of dancing, and that's where I was two when I started learning dancing from my mum. But so I sang my first solo on stage when I was three, Alice Blue Gown, and uh, but professionally I, I was sixteen, and Bobby Lim and Dawn Lake had a, had a review. You tell them, love. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, I'll review. And they were touring Australia with their review, and when they got to Perth, they needed another dancer. They were short of a dancer. So I auditioned and I got in. I was 16. So that's how my professional career started, as a dancer, with Bobby Lim and Dawn Lake and the Horidagi Quintet. But you'd had about 14 years of, of training with your, your mum's studio, I guess. That's right. So you uh, could move pretty well. Yeah, and then I, my sister and I, were Gail, we also learned dancing as we got a little bit older from other um, teachers as well. So is it uh, <coughs> ballet? Like... Tap, right. ballet... Uh, all sorts, uh, you know, a, a variety of dancing and boring. Uh, Bobby and Dawn show was that was obviously up and running, and and were you a replacement in that? Or yeah, well, when yeah. they came to Perth, but one of they the picked dancers, up locals. Yeah, yeah, well, one of the dancers must have uh, left the show, and they needed another one, and that's how I got in. Yeah. How long did you tour with that? Oh, I didn't tour. Oh, that you just was played just, the that Perth was just season. in Perth. Right. Then a year later, when I was seventeen, we moved to, to Melbourne. 
and My Fair Lady had only not been running for very long. And we'd only literally, this is my mum and my sister, Gail and I, we'd only literally been here about a week, something like that, when we heard they were looking for a new understudy to Eliza in My Fair Lady. So I went along and auditioned and I got, got the understudy to Bunty Turner that was like a day after arrival, I, I well, read. Well, was that true? Well, it's, it's a, a bit longer than a bit longer. day. <laughs> it might have been about a week or, or so, yeah. But, but for the movie, it's a good, uh, oh, yeah. a good story. But I had four days to learn the chorus, right. and then as soon as I was in the chorus, with Betty Pounder teaching me the choreography, of course, and um, then I had uh, straight into rehearsals for Eliza, and a month later I was on as playing Eliza. And I was 17, so, yeah. We tend to have no fear when we're kids. What was it like for you going on for Eliza in a show like that? OK, now that's a good question. I do remember, before my main entrance, if, I don't know if you, there's the Covent Garden scene and Eliza's behind some scenery and she has to fall out with her basket of... Two uh, bunches of violets. Falling all over. So she, on yeah, the mud. She, yeah, yeah. Was she and as I was waiting for my first entrance, I remember my legs shaking. And I remember, I must have felt nervous because my legs were shaking. But once I got out onto the stage, I was okay. I think you just got to concentrate, haven't you? What, what you're doing. That's right. Yes. Dr. Footlights kicks in and takes over. Oh, well, you know, it's the. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> as, as an understudy, did, did you get much rehearsal with the principals or are you playing with them for the first time? During well, that? I think mainly with the understudies. Uh, and then when I knew I was had to go on, I had a rehearsal with Robin Bailey, who was playing Higgins. I did a little bit of rehearsing with him, from what I remember. Not very much. and, and uh, yeah. So the audition was with Pounder? When I auditioned... Yeah. Um, well, Pounder would have been there, and and also Sir Frank Tate, who was the uh, the head of him, you know, Williamson's at that point. Also, um, the musical director, who I cannot remember now. And uh, I, my mum, my mother played for me. I remember that because she she played the piano quite well. What did and you sing? Something. I sang. I could have danced all right. night. Right. We already had the LP yeah. with Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison. We had it back in Perth, and we were playing because everybody was everybody getting, had a copy, every, I think, didn't they? So I got to know the song, and yeah. I was able to sing. I could have danced tonight, fortunately, and and I, I guess I was given a bit of dialogue to to read, and and they said you're in. And I thought, oh, well, this is fa-. I felt I thought this is fantastic, and they gave me a seat for that night. Uh, well, you couldn't get in, but of course they would have a couple of house seats. But they, my mother couldn't even come with me. They just had one spare seat. And I sat there looking up at this wonderful show and I couldn't believe that I was going to be in it. It was like, at 17, like all my Christmases had come at once. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, yeah. So it was exciting. That's the word, exciting. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah, a show like that. Because it was a huge hit. It ran for, for several about, years, About didn't five it? years. Mm. I was with it for two years. Right. I did Melbourne and then Sydney. And when I was in Sydney with it, uh, I was in it for two years, Bye Bye Birdie came along, and it was for the same management for J.C. Williamson's. And um, because it was for the same management, they allowed me to audition for the juvenile lead in... Birdie, Kim, Kim, Kim McAfee. 
McAfee. McAfee that mm. year. And I auditioned for that and I got the role of Kim. And my cousin Kevin Johnston played Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very exciting because I was then going into playing a principal role in, in the show to, you know... But of, I, of your own, yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah and, uh, so why did the family move over to Melbourne? Because both my... Well, my mother had been in show business all her life and she, she was a great mother, but she tried to talk my... My sister and I decided we wanted to be in show business. And she was saying, really, you know, because she knew what show business was like, she said, don't you think you should get a, a good nine-to-five job? You know, she was being caring. Yeah, she was. But, but we were determined. We wanted to... So at that point, either Sydney or Melbourne were the places to be... To That's get where in. the work was happening. There, yes, yeah. yes. And so she brought us over here, yeah. Did Dad come too? No, no. My mum and Dad were divorced when, oh, when my sister split. and I were very young. Right. Okay. So he moved over to England, and yeah. What a wonderful thing for Mum to do to to support you both. Oh, she was. She was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And then it, even like when we went into show business, she then realised that it was for us, and that's what. It, yeah, she was very supportive always. Yeah. Uh, did it take long for Gail's career to kick off, your sister? No, Gail, well, she was 15, because she's two years younger than me, so she was 15 when we came over here. And then, oh, and, yeah, she got her break, because Patty Newton, well, she was Patty McGrath then, Pat Carroll and Ian Turpy, they were all in Bye Bye Birdie. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, Patty Newton... She was Patty McGrath then. She left Bye Bye Birdie here in Melbourne to do television. And Gail, my sister, Gail Esler, uh, took over from her in Bye Bye Birdie. Right. She, she got that uh, uh, in, in the show. It was a real family affair with yeah. Kevin and Gail and yourself. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> was. was Mum able to get jobs in the theatre? My mother started teaching ballroom dancing here. Right which she'd done in Perth, and so she was teaching the big schools, getting them ready for their debutante balls or whatever you call Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was going to big, big schools around here teaching ballroom dancing. So her career took off too. Yes, yeah. yeah. My darling sisters, with due respects, love to you means S-E-X. Sure as sun. 
50 years ago. Do you remember what you were doing? Yes, I was doing um, Charlie Girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, that, that was a terrific. It was an English musical, wasn't it? And it starred um, Johnny Farnham and, and yourself. And, yeah, um, Damon and Eagle. Came out to do it. And Derek, and Derek Nimmo. Yeah, yeah. They came out. And Peter Regan, who was the American lead in it, you know, who had... Um, I had a sort of like... Um, in the show, I, jo- Johnny... Joe, his name was. John Farnham played the role of Joe. Was, uh, you know, attracted to me, you know. and the, But then I had this other sort of going on with Peter Regan who was playing the American. Margot Lee played his mother and Margot Lee and Anna Neagle, their roles were they had been together uh, in, in show business and they had this uh, so they came to visit us in this um, elaborate home in England where I, I, as Charlie I was the youngest daughter who I, I was I spent most of my time in that show under motorbikes, looking as though I was fixing them, which I, you know, I was in jeans and denim jacket and cap on my head and looking dirty. (laughs) (laughs) So it was nothing like me. (laughs) No, not at all. You were very glamorous. Uh, So it was a a show about the class divide, was it? It was a bit like Cinderella type of thing. And um, then the, the, the. they're going to have a big party, you see, and I've got nothing to wear. So John, playing Joe, hires this beautiful ball gown for me to wear. So halfway through the show, I get to wear this lovely pale blue evening dress, which was just beautiful. So I changed from being a tomboy under motorbikes to being... The transformation. The transformation. The butterfly. It's like the Cinderella thing. Yeah. 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 Or you know, My Fair Lady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, very mm. much so. That's. I think that's those that classic story. That's why those shows continue and were so popular. Yes, well, people love that rags to riches or transformation into the butterfly story. That's yeah. right, and because those sort of shows, I mean, are for everybody, the whole family, from children right through. You know, because Anna Anna Neagle was very very popular from all the movies she did in the nineteen forties. Herbert Wilcox was her husband and he used to produce them. And she played opposite Michael Wilding a lot in these uh, 1940s. So we had a lot of people of her age group coming along to see her. We had all these young girls who were mad about John coming to see him. And Derek Nimmo was very popular from his TV work. So there was never an empty seat in, in the house. And we did... We, we, the, actually, Charlie Girl could have run for a lot longer around Australia, but Anna had done it for five years in London with Derek, and you know we went to New Zealand after here. And I think by then, you know, <laughs> poor Anna, you know, she had probably just about had a, you know, had enough. She was a lovely lady, though, beautiful lady. Seventy-one to seventy-two, I think that that was yep, the season over, that's over right. that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fifty years. Yeah. You were doing seventeen seventy six when you auditioned for Charlie Girl. Yes, I, I seventeen seventy six was a wonderful show. I played Martha Jefferson, um, and and one, one of only two females in that show. Yeah, I that's think. right. Yeah. Yes, uh, Abigail Adams is the other character, and and myself, Martha Jefferson. All, all the rest of the cast are men. Louis Fiander played the lead. 
John Adams. And it was a wonderful show. James Smiley was in it too, wasn't he? Yes, he yeah, was yeah. too. And uh, John Sidney played my husband. And um, But while I was doing 1776, I was out at Channel 2 in Bellbird as well. Right. So um, I, <laughs> they offered me 1776. And I, first of all, I said, but how can I do it? I mean, I was already in Bellbird. And Betty Pounder said... Well, Gordon, now Gordon Hunt was the director. I actually didn't audition for for, for Char- You know what? I think Gordon Hunt, who was the director of of seventeen seventy six, they must have shown him some cutting of some film of me from Charlie Girl. Well, I'd read that Freddie Carpenter had seen you in seventeen seventy six and thought that's the girl, that's my Charlie. Oh, okay. Well, I thought it was the other way around because... Uh, well, look, I didn't audition... You were for, there, you'd know. For 1776, I, yeah. I didn't actually audition. Right. Because I think Gordon Hunt must have seen... Uh, that's what I thought. Anyway, I said, look, I don't, I, how can I do it when I'm doing Bell Bird? What about the, the matinees? And they ended up saying, well, your understudy can do the Wednesday matinees because that was the only day, I, the only one I couldn't do. And so I was, like, very working very hard. I was, like, awake at 5am in the morning, learning my dialogue for television for, for Bellbird, new, new dialogue, and then working all day doing that and then going into the theatre at night. But my scene as Martha Jefferson, I only had one scene. And it was... I had... I sang the song, He Plays the Violin, and I danced with uh, Louis Fiander. But that whole scene was over in about 10 minutes or maybe a bit longer than 10 minutes. Then I had the rest of the, the show to, in, the, in my dressing room learning my script for Bellbird the next day. Hmm. What was the, the casting process like at the firm? I remember talking to Jill and Kevin and they were saying that you, know, you had Pounder's eyes on you all the time so there was a role coming up in another show. You were generally um, pinpointed for that role. Did you have to audition much, or did the roles come along and say? No, I had to audition. Mo- we want you in the next. No, one. mostly I had to audition. Uh, this, as I, this is the only one I can remember that, um, you know, seventeen seventy six that I don't remember. I just remember Pounder ringing me and saying, uh, "Gordon Hunt wants you for this role." But mostly you had to audition. Yeah. Did you have a song that you like to do all the time? A At go-to the song for your auditions? Well, it depended. Uh, it depended on what you were auditioning for. Yeah, yeah. As to what song, and sometimes they would give you the music from the show to learn a song from the actual show. Sometimes the director might prefer to hear um, something that's not from the show, and sometimes they prefer to hear something from the show. So it depended, you know. And depending on the type of role you were auditioning for as to what you sang. I guess you're building up a repertoire of songs that that you know anyway that you can access quickly and easily. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Do you still manage to have a sing? Oh, yes. I I, I did a concert in here on um, Zoom. I've done a couple in here. That's why that's on there. We did a concert. Apparently I'm on on YouTube now. (laughs) (laughs) Which Embracing I, I technology. <laughs> but I've been doing a few Zoom concerts and I still sing. Um, apparently, now that we're not in lockdown, I've been booked to do some more concerts in nursing homes. I sing in nursing homes now. Right. 
they'll probably offer me a bed one day. They'll probably. Because <laughs> I'm actually older than some of the people. Would you still be up for a pro gig if, if something came along, uh, professionally on the you know, yes. commercial theatre? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, well, I don't want to do the, the big shows like eight shows a week anymore. Right. But concerts, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. for sure. Do you remember your um, first memory of being on stage? What that was like? Well, I don't see, so I was only two, so I don't remember back then. Right. My first concert when I was two, I don't remember that. But what, really. a, a book show, did you, did you do them in your, your teenage years at school or anything? Yeah, we did. At, when, at school, my mother used to um, come up and, and give dancing classes and produce shows, and my, my sister, Gail, she did, we did Pinocchio at school, and Gail... Uh, my sister is known in in the business Gail Esler. She took my mother's maiden name professionally. Gail played Pinocchio, and I played the Blue Fairy, and I sang When You Wish Upon a Star, and my mother directed them. Yeah, so that, I do have a memory of that because I was probably only twelve or something then. Yeah, the Blue Fairy. The Blue Fairy. Now, yeah. of course, this is a time, too, when training institutions like NIDA or WAPA didn't exist. No, they didn't, no. 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 So who, who can you recognise as your great teachers? My mother. Yeah. Colin Clifford. Do you, would you know that yes, name? Yes, absolutely. Colin Clifford I learnt drama and singing from at, in Perth as a, as a child and teenager. Um, also... The school we went to, St Joseph's School, I had a very, very good piano teacher there and an art of speech teacher. Uh, they were Sister Sister Dimpner and Sister Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had all this training from my mother and, and other dancing teachers in Perth, Norma Atkinson, who had a... She was a wonderful dancing teacher. So I, both Gail and I had all this uh, training from very young ages, yeah. And then it's learning on the job, I guess, just from the people you're working with. Exactly. I mean, Bob, Go, Bobby and Dawn. Originally. Well, going back to that, um, in that review at, at His Majesty's, it's called, still called His Majesty's yes, in Perth, yep. I was allowed, we weren't, back then, I don't know now, you may not be allowed in the wings too much now, but back then we were. And whenever I wasn't on stage, I was in the wings studying them. The Horidagi Quintet, I thought, were fa- fantastic. We had comedians, and I stood... Once I got out of my costume and into my next one, and I had time, I was out of my dressing room and into the wings and just watching them and learning from them. Exactly, yeah. Osmosis, ab- absorbing all of yes, that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Now, no agents in those days, I guess. No. You have to represent yourself and, and yes. work out deals and all that. Well, or... I... Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, well, your mum would have had a say too, I guess. <laughs> she probably did. <laughs> she probably did. I, you know, we didn't have agents back in those early days. And I think it was like um, with Williamson's, you know, whoever was in charge, like Sir Frank Tate, and they, they, they would tell you, they would just say, you'd just accept what they offered you. <laughs> until you got an agent and then they would be you know, the ones speaking on your behalf, you know. Mm. Um, with, with touring, I believe that they would give you the train tickets to get to the next destination. Yes. 
but there wasn't any living away from home or allowance or no, or no, you're right. accommodation that was found or something. You had to do all of that yourself. Yes, that's yes, you did. Yes. Well, I don't know at all. We we would share a lot of the company. We would share digs yep. here and there. You know, when you're younger, you sort of um, you just. And I imagine there were several theatrical landladies around the country who would always take in the local touring show, the next touring show. Yes, uh, I uh, look we, here in Windsor. In Windsor, when I was doing Bye Bye Birdie, I had a flat. Jill and Kevin had one flat. Uh, Gail and I had another flat, and the leading lady, Pat Finley, she had another flat, and they they were digs from way back. That uh, I think Kevin and Jill had uh, stayed there prior to Bye Bye Birdie. You know, when they were doing Pajama Game, Can Can, all those shows before, so they were very well known. Those uh, those ladies, yeah. It's not a long way out of the city, but but how did you get into work? You jump on the train or get cabs or? Um, probably a bit of both. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> we'd probably share cabs coming home at night. Maybe we'd just get in public transport, and, it, and I, I don't remember. You probably did a bit of both. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't have a car back then. No. Huh. No. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Yes. Does that happen after Bye Bye Birdie? Yes. Yeah, so that's the next one. Uh, I was, yes, actually I was 23 when I did. That was playing Philia? Playing Philia. And Jack Gardner, who played opposite me. Now, they brought out oh, four or five principal men from the. Jack Gardner came from America. He played opposite me. Hero. Hero. We're still the best of friends. We're still in touch. Yep. He lives in Florida, in America, and his birthday and my birthday are the same day, same year. We're twins. So we, we send it to... We, I, I ring him up, talk to him on the phone. We send Christmas cards, birthday cards to each other, and we're still the best of friends. That's a great story. Yeah. Have, have you got to see him much in that time since... No. No, so it's really just been... Yeah. I nearly, I nearly, one time when I went overseas, I nearly saw him in America, but I didn't get to, yeah. Mm. Did he continue life as an actor? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not now he doesn't. No, no. But no. he did. Uh, he did for a while, yes. And mm. Jack Collins, Clifford Mollison, yeah. Richard Walker, who Rich, had done well, My Richard, Fair Lady. Well, he was already here. Right. See, Richard came out for Fair Lady, but he stayed here. He didn't go back. And he, uh, yes, because he played um, Doolittle in, in Fair Lady and then he and his wife uh, stayed on here and then he did f- Forum as well, yes. And Bob Hornery. And, oh, Bob. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely man. Lovely, funny man. And, oh. and Will Mahoney, who was married to... Evie Hayes. Yeah. Now, Will, <laughs> Will had that role in... It's a funny show, Forum. Oh, I love oh, it. I love I it. Love well, he was the old guy who had running around and around so many times they said you've got to run around uh, the whole of the village or wherever it was so many times every time he ran across the stage he said four and then the next time he come around said oh, six and it's like uh, I can't. And he, he ends up being the father of of hero doesn't he or something or, or yeah I'm trying, I'm trying to remember that remember yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a funny farce but, but, but uh, Will used to bring his little dog into the theatre in a zip-up bag, and he'd get him 
well, I think everybody knew he did, but he'd get him through the stage door. And then once he was through the stage door, he'd zip open the bag and the dog's head would pop out. And this little dear little pet of a dog was in his dressing room all the time. <laughs> Wouldn't be allowed now. No. But somebody would find out now. <laughs> Character, yeah. Uh, that's, I dare say, your first Sondheim show. Yep. Then many years later, you would do side by side by Sondheim. Also Into the Woods I did a couple of times. Did you? Mm. What did you play? Who did you play? Jack's mother. Right, okay. We did it for, well, I'm I'm jumping ahead now. Side by side by Sondheim, yes, with Jill Perryman, Bartholomew John. In Sydney, we had John Laws as the the narrator. Here, we had Noel Ferrier. That's that's a a, very different narrator. A very, very different. Well, John was... John stuck to the script exactly. He he, he just read what he was me- meant to read. Noel, well, he was funny, Noel, I must say. He was well, very entertaining and funny, but we never knew what he was going to say next. We thought, you know, he'd jump from the script and tell some joke or something or make something, yeah. But, no, that was a wonderful experience. I think between Bart and Jill and I, we must have done about 50 songs of Sondheim's. Yeah. Did you enjoy doing the material? Oh, Sondheim? I loved it. Oh, well, he's so clever. And he's only just recently passed away. Yes, at 91. I don't know. Yeah. He'd just apparently the night before he'd been to a, a production of Company, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah. And a Thanksgiving dinner, I think. Oh. Yeah. No, he's so clever. His lyrics and his music. Wonderful. Yeah. If Mama was married, we'd live in a house as private as private can be just mama three ducks five canaries a mouse two monkeys one father six turtles and me if mama was married if mama was married i'd jump in the air and give all my toe shoes to you i'd get all these hair ribbons out of my hair and once and for all i get mama out too
Love doing into the woods. Well, the first time I did it was um, in the botanic gardens, and Patty and uh, uh, Matthew Newton played my son Jack. Jack, wonderful! What a talent! He's such such a talent. And the setting in the botanic gardens was perfect, absolutely perfect. And do you know the two princes in yeah. the? They have this wonderful number. Well, in the Botanic Gardens, they had real. They came out on horses from around the trees and did their wonderful song together. And um, the following year, I did it for the Melbourne Theatre Company with Roger Hodgman directed it. Uh, and um, yeah, so both times they were great productions, but. Different settings, of course, yeah. Mm. But I love doing Into the Woods, yeah. Gina Riley did both the productions as I did. She, did, she played the baker's wife, and she did the one in the Botanic Gardens, and then, like I did, she did the one the following year for the Melbourne Theatre Company. We had, in, in the Melbourne Theatre Company, we had Lisa McEwen playing Cinderella. Um, John McTurnan played opposite Gina Riley, and... Peter Carroll was our narrator, and his daughter Tamsin played Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Great. Great cast, great cast. Yeah. Did you read reviews through your career? Did you take any notice of...? I used to read them, yeah. 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 Did you place any faith in them? Well, no, no I just... I kind of... Um, no, I kind of think, well, you know, they're entitled to so say what they want yeah. to say, and um, if you get a good, you know... They didn't worry me, no. And I think as performers we know whose opinion we value. Yes, our, exactly. Our friends and colleagues yes. and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, wow, what a show that is. Oh, I did that in Sydney with um, Sheila Bradley played the lead. So funny. Winifred. Yes. I swam demote. Oh, so you you know yeah, the show really? I know really. the show. Yeah, it's, yeah, isn't it funny? Carol Burnett did it originally. Mm, what a talent she is! Um, oh yeah, and I played Lady Larkin, the the juvenile lead, and uh, yeah, no, that was that was great. Yeah. Did you get nervous at any point through your career? Oh yes. Yeah. It's quite normal to get nervous. Absolutely. Yes, I have that adrenaline. <laughs> butterflies. Exactly. How did you manage your nerves? Well, you, you have to. You have, that's it. You have to manage them. You don't let them manage you. Mm. And I've taught singing a lot, uh, and I used to teach here, right where we are now. And I used to say to my students, um, "Now, you never let your nerves control you. You control them." That's the whole thing. It's quite normal to be nervous. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you have to control your nerves and don't let it be the other way around. Yeah. It's a psychological game, isn't it? It's a, it's a yeah. preparation. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. Did you have a, um, a routine that you went through before every performance? Did you? I'd always what, warm up. What, my what voice. was your warm up? What did that consist of? Well, in in more later productions, like in Phantom of the Opera and in Big River, by then the musical directors would give you a warm up themselves. In the earlier days, you'd have to do your own. It'd be up to you. But then we would have like uh, before the half hour call or around about the half hour call we would have a warm-up and um, you would, the musical director would give you exercises and you just do, you know, you didn't have to be there, but they liked you to be there. And so, but in the early, and now when I do concerts now, um, I make sure I do a few, just a couple of scales at home just to make sure my voice is there. And, um, yeah, it just... Did you have many singing teachers through your career? Yeah, well, I had Colin Clifford yeah. in Perth, and I had another lady in Perth, um, Violet Concannon. Oh, her name just came to me. Well, why would you forget a name like that? <laughs> exactly. But you've probably not thought of it for several what? decades. Violet Concannon. Now, when I was a teenager, like, like 14, 15, around that age, of course, my mother always taught me as a child... But then I went to Violet Concannon and Colin Clifford in Perth, and they were very, very good. And they got. And then when I was in My Fair Lady here, Alan's Music Store uh, in the city, on the second floor, was all music teachers. So I went to a, a, I can't remember his name unfortunately, but I went to him for lessons while I was doing My Fair Lady. Yeah. And what about later on through your adult life? Well, no, I started teaching them myself. Right, okay, yeah. when I was Well, in you like... knew enough about your voice and how to prepare well, it and maintain it. Well, that's it. Yes, yeah, and... so I sort of learnt from them and then you put that into practice, what you learn from your teachers, you put into practice. And then when I was in La Cage Fol here, um, do you know, that was a wonderful show. That's a wonderful, well, wonderful I know. show, yes. Well, I, I played Marie Dandong, the mother of the fiancé. Sherida Costa was my daughter. David Ravenswood was my husband. And, uh, you uh, know, who, the, and you all have to be made up into uh, you know, full slap and drag well, no, to well, escape no. well, the Well, I was, a, a, as Marie, I was a very, um, you know, um, sedate sort of woman. And my husband was, you know, we were shocked you know, until the finale when, we, when they dressed us up in... in uh, feather bows and things but it, we were very um, serious type sort of characters Oh what lovely dishes they're so delicate and frail my naked children I believe they're only male Oops I think they're playing some exotic little game Oops I think that leapfrog is its name Keith Michelle and John Ewing were fantastic playing the leads but one day, one of the one of the cor- one of the boys um, said, "Would you give me some singing lessons?" And I said, "Oh, I've never. I hadn't taught at that. This is 1985, 1985." And I said, "Oh, I don't, oh, I've not actually really taught." He said, "Well, give it a go." <laughs> I said, "All right." So I just because I can play the piano a bit. I, I learnt the piano as a child, and I don't play well now. But I can play the melody line, and I can play the scales. So I got permission from Dale Ringland, 
who was our musical director, to use... There was a piano off stage in the wings. And I said, can I use that piano? And he said, yes, you can. So in between shows, I started teaching one one then another one came to me and said oh look will you teach me too I ended up teaching that's when I started teaching with the dancers coming up well they had to sing as well they had to do everything the cargels the cargels and I ended up teaching four or five of them and that got me then I started to realize oh okay well I'm getting through I'm getting through to them (laughs) yeah so then I realized I could teach and then during Big River, during that musical, I, I taught a couple of the dresses they asked me to teach. So then, a while, years later, when I was not working, I thought, I'll, I'll start teaching. So I started teaching, you know, and I was able to... I live not far from here. The people may not know, but we're in a church hall at the moment. <laughs> and so I started teaching singing in here to because I don't, I've only got a small flat and there's no room for a piano, so, uh, yeah. Well, it's great that you've got this facility available. Yes, yeah, so... We're, we're very fortunate in that a number of your performances have been captured in original Australian cast recordings, LPs. Yes. Um, Charlie Girl, Side by Side by Sondheim, Big River, yeah. La Cage Yeah. And, and the Glitter Sisters, I was with the Glitter Sisters, and we did a re- recording too. From, uh, have you heard of the Glitter Sisters? I've heard about them, but tell me about oh, them. Oh, okay, well, it's all 94. John Finlayson directed it, and it's all well-known 1940s music. And there were five of us all dressed, you know, like the Andrews Sisters type Right, of thing. so that was the model? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And we did sketches as well as songs. But um, we did a, a recording. We've got, I've got an LP of of us doing songs. Well, who, who were your sisters? Well, they varied. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on who was available. Uh, well, well who were the originals? Uh, well, I wasn't one of the originals. Right, OK. Um, the originals, I believe, were Geraldine Turner, Colette Mann, Lane Lamont, Betty Bobbitt and Phelan. And I took over from Colette Mann, but I was with it for a long time all around Australia you know and uh, I actually had a break from it while I did Side by Side by Sondheim and then I went back into it again and and so there was uh, others so others were coming and going there was um, uh, Jackie Reese, Joy Miller Lynn Lovett Maggie Stewart yeah so John so, Finlayson had put it all together. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And he, uh, yeah, it was a good. It was really good. Um, all wonderful 1940s music. Boogie woogie bugle boy. I of can company, hardly even say that now. Of company B. <laughs> and all that. Yeah, and some lovely ballads. Beautiful ballads. So yeah. you were able to do the recording. So we did. Yeah, yes. Right. So yeah, I imagine you've got all of those LPs in your collection. I uh, look. I'm a. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> I've still got LPs at home, yes. Um, My Fair Lady, of course, was a cast recording that you grew up with. Did you collect them, even if you weren't in them, along the way? Yes, I've, yeah. got, I've still got quite a lot of LPs at home. I suppose I've if got. one was available, a show was coming up, you'd go and buy it just to hear, hear the score. That's right. Well, I've, I've 
there was um, a musical of Gone with the Wind, um, which they were going to do here, and I went and bought the the recording, and I auditioned for um, the role of Melanie, but the, the, the I, I got the role, but they never went ahead with the the production because the company didn't have enough finances to to put it on. So I forgot they knew I've got that one, and I yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a shame. It would have been interesting yeah, yeah. to see that show. On, yeah. I don't know how they would have done the fire. Well, that, maybe that's why they didn't have enough money, because it would have been a huge production. <laughs> the King and I. Yes. Tup Tim, did you play Tup I played Tup Tim, yeah. yes. Okay, I've got a funny story. I, well, Mrs Anna's the only white lady in the show, and, of course, I was Tup Tim, the Burmese princess, and so all of us, all the wives, all of us, we had all this... Texas Earth, it was called. It was from the, actually from the earth of Texas, mixed with water or whatever. We had to put it on all over us, all over our arms and our legs. Oriental makeup with wigs. John Truscott did our costumes. Who went on to win an Oscar, didn't he? For, for Camelot. Camelot. Mm. Also, he did the art centre here. Oh, I guess all the yeah. Yeah, all the wonderful work in the art centre is John Trasker. We had the most magnificent costumes, but um, Sheila Bradley was the first Mrs. Anna, and then then um, she became pregnant with her first baby. So <laughs> she stayed with the show until she couldn't any longer, and they couldn't let the costume out anymore. <laughs> and um, and Jeff Warren was wonderful as the king, and. But what I was going to say is we we, um, we had these wigs with, you know, black wigs, of course, all of us. And um, this particular performance, Susan Swinford had taken over as Mrs Anna. She was from England. And um, this particular performance, I was on stage with her and I think it was leading into my solo, my Lord and Master. Anyway, Susan went off stage... Uh, prompt corner upstage prompt and when she got off stage she apparently fainted or something she said I can't go back on she wasn't well they grabbed her under I never knew this was happening I'm on stage not knowing anything of this so they grabbed her understudy who looked nothing like Mrs Anna well she was one of the wives all they had they had three minutes only three minutes. And she had to, oriental to, makeup, I suppose. Just to yeah. rip her costume off her and put the crinoline on her, Mrs. Anna's crinoline. <laughs> and I never knew this drama was going on backstage. There was more drama going on backstage. Than was <laughs> so I'm on stage. I see the one Mrs. Anna go off that way. Three minutes later, I look down. To, she enters OP downstage. And I said, oh, Mrs. Anna. And I went, we went on with... She looked nothing like... You know, Helen, the understudy's name was Helen, I remember her name. And we went on talking, doing dialogue like everything was normal. And I'm thinking, what? first of all, I'm thinking inside, what's happened to Susan? You know, and then I'm thinking, what does the audience think? <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the show, the stage manager made an announcement to the audience. He said, ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed... You may have noticed. I thought, good grief, you know. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> you wouldn't experience that in any other workplace, was, would you? <laughs> when you look back on it... Susan was all right, by the way. Yeah, she yeah. came back the next day. But when you look back on it, you think, well, that was really funny. 
Gee, your pillow slips must have been filthy for that run. Pillow? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because the, uh, there's no way you can. Well, I'll tell you what, no, you? it was, you're quite right. And it used to get into your underwear and everything, you'd have to sort of like. Uh, but it, it, it was effective. It looked good. Yeah. So, Brigadoon. Brigadoon. A Scottish lass. I know. That was just before I went overseas. That was at Menzies Theatre Restaurant in Sydney. Hayes Gordon directed us. And um, Nancy Hayes played Meg, the comedy role, and I played Fiona. And it was lovely. I love um, all the music in Brigadoon. It's beautiful. Doug Kingsman played opposite me. Do you know Doug? Yeah. And... um, no, that, that was beautiful. And that was just prior to my sister and I going by ship overseas. Where what, we, we, before we go to London? Yeah. What Menzies Theatre Restaurant? It was in the... It was... I don't know what it is now, but this is 1967. So audience would come and, and eat and watch the That's show? That's right. Yeah. It was like a theatre... It was a theatre restaurant. But you'd and, do musicals? We did musicals. Uh, the, was like the stage was not huge, of course, and but it very. I think a lot of the scenery was projected on the back on the screen at the back. A lot oh. of the scenery, yeah. and we just had props and and things like that. Was yeah. it a big band? I can't remember. It was a small orchestra. Right. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. So I guess you uh, you're getting itchy feet. You want to sort of have a go at the not not that Australia isn't the big league, but further afield, the West End, or Broadway, and I guess the only access that Australians had was to go to London. Yes. Well, Gail and I decided we'd like to travel anyway, and we thought, we had two months uh, going through Europe, enjoying Europe before we went on to London, and then we just thought, we didn't know if we were going to be able to get work over there or not, we just were taking the chance, but we wanted to travel anyway. And fortunately, we both did a lot of work in, in London, yes. My first job was in, in the movie Oliver. Really? I'd been there about a month. And uh, I was in Consider Yourself in that scene, which is, took three weeks to film that one number because it's very it's, it's big, big. Mm. and a lot of us. I think Jack Webster and Gary Ginevan are also in that show, in that film. Oh, right. Oh, well, no, Terry Donovan was in it. Was he? Yes, he played a policeman. And I I played a button seller. And, um, yeah, oh, dear Gary Ginevan. I did a lot of his work. Yeah, I did uh, about four shows with Gary, too. Oh, what ones did you do? Um, uh, um, Puff the Magic Dragon. I did that twice. Oh, I played Majik. You must have been Dame Dame Lollipop. Lollipop. I was the original Dame (laughs) Lollipop here. Right. And... Um, then 18 years later, I did Dame Lollipop again. That's but not I, bad. Did, I did. I um, did. Um, Noddy, I did. Oh, big I ears. didn't do Noddy. Oh, no. oh wow. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, I played Piglet. I was Eeyore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was Piglet. And the Magic Faraway Tree. Oh, yeah, I didn't do that I one. I was Dame Washalot. Dame Washalot. Yeah. Gary was wonderful. Wasn't he wonderful? A great. Well, being oh. a performer, he was such a wonderful producer. He looked after his company. Everything, everything yeah. about him was fantastic. He was so full of enthusiasm. And he was like a little um, Duracell battery running around everywhere. He was, 
<laughs> he was so full of energy, vitality, and now he was excellent. Yeah. But those shows were, were, were magic, weren't they? They were beautifully designed and, yeah. and conceived, and well, they were sort of seducing the audiences of I'm, the future. I yeah. know. I played Peter Pan. I flew. Brilliant. Love flying. That's yeah. a wonderful feeling. I don't yeah. know about now that I'm 80. Uh, but I, <laughs> my, my, my joints may not... But when I've... Oh, it was wonderful. Peter Pan, yeah. Mm. Mm. So, uh, breaking into London, was that difficult? Do, do you seek representation first of all? Or yes. you do? So you found an agent? Well, we got... Yeah. yeah. We had a good... Uh, both Gail and I had an agent. And then I got another agent... After I played Eliza over there in a, in a production of Fair Lady, and Pe- John Penrose, who was a, renowned for being a very, very good agent, he wouldn't take you on unless he saw you in something. And he came to see me play Eliza in this production, and then he, he represented me then. He was Millicent Martin, you know Millicent Martin? Yeah, yeah. He, she was with... John Penrose too. She was one of the uh, creators of Side by Side. She by was Side one Side. of the originals. Yeah, mm. yeah. And she's still working in America. Yes. She, she was in Frasier for a long time. Oh, I know. Absolutely I wonderful. love Frasier. And now she's in Grace and Frankie with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, gosh. Yeah, great talent, great talent. Yeah, I know, yeah. And I saw her play Ma- Madame Morrible on Broadway in Wicked. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Nanette in London? Yes, yeah. I played Nanette. The girlfriend? The, girl, was that the girlfriend? Any connection to the boyfriend? The girlfriend? Was that a... Well, it's, it's the was same, that a sad, it was same style. Yeah. Oh. Now you're asking me... The, I just <laughs> wondered whether it was a, a sequel to... No, no, it's not no. a sequel. It's just a similar type of... Uh, same type of show, really. Set in the same era the 1920s and um, yes good music lovely old music yeah, yeah and you get back to the Cinderella story again in a musical called Cindy which yes. you played the lead in that, the West End that's right yeah tell me about Cindy Cindy was was a well again it was like a, a modern day Cinderella story the family were in the Bronx in, in so uh, American American mm. uh, running a delicatessen the parents Hi Hazel was my mother and uh, the parent, they were running a delicatessen, and uh, me being the youngest daughter, I was doing most of the work. And my two older sisters were, um, you know, being ladylike, <laughs> not sort of wanting to. It was a fun, good, fun little musical, yes. Hmm. You were touring it in the provinces first before it yes, went we into went, the West Yes, yeah. we did at Westcliff-on-Sea in Essex, where I did a lot of repertory theatre. I did straight plays there, uh, dramas, as well as reviews and musicals and pantomime. And, um, yeah, with rep theatre, if anybody doesn't know, it's, it's like you're in the theatre all day rehearsing one play or show, and at night you're doing another one. So you, you're doing, and you're getting ready. Each one will run probably a week or maybe two weeks, depending on the show. And then you're rehearsing the one for the following Yeah, That requires a, a, a really specific discipline, doesn't it? To... Well, it does. And, I mean, I was only in my 20s at the time, so I, I had 
the capacity to be able to do it. And um, you know, where I was staying in digs, as they call it, was right near the theatre. So I would wake early and, and um, look at my script for whatever I was going to be rehearsing through the day. Then there was a, a restaurant near the theatre, I remember, that we, we all just went to this restaurant to get something to eat, you know, when we could. And then back into the theatre to do another show at night, a different one. Yeah. That experience of rep, I imagine, helps you when you're doing shows like Bellbird and having to learn scripts yes, all exactly. the time. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, BB- was, sorry? Oh, I was just going to say I loved it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Mm. BBC Television. Yes. The Gilbert and Sullivan operators. Yeah. What a wonderful time when they would actually film and, and broadcast. Well, it was the beginning of uh, colour TV too. Right. And um, the first one I did was called Titty Poo, which was really the Mikado, but right. they changed it to Titty to Poo. The, the music was uh, the same, but they changed the dialogue to make it because we had Hattie Jarks playing Katasha. What was she like? Oh, she was, she was lovely and she was great. But because we had all these wonderful comedians, they changed the dialogue to bring it up to more, up to date. But the, the, the music stayed the same. And I played Peep Bo, one of the three little maids. Yum Yum, played by Mary Miller. Um, I'm jumping forward a bit here now, but Mary was wonderful and she ended up playing Madame Giry in the original Phantom of the Opera in London, and I played the role here. When she knew I got the role of, Fan- of Madame Giry here, she wrote to me, uh, congratulating me and sending a photo of herself as Madame Giry. I wrote back to her <laughs> with a photo of me as Madame Giry. Yeah. But she played Yum Yum in Titty Poo. And I played Peep Bo. Did she remember you working together? Oh, yes, yes, because yes, right. we did a stage musical together. And we also, the following year, we did Ilanthi for BBC television. They asked me back to do Celia, the head fairy, and the queen of the fairies was Joan Sims. And I was her head fairy, Celia. Well, I tell you, she was a funny lady. Because in between takes, she would entertain us with her humour. I remember it just being funny all the time. And uh, Mary played um, the lead, Mary Miller, who I was just talking about, she played the lead in that. But then we did a stage musical together called Bless the Bride in in London, out in Richmond, the Richmond Theatre, and I played her sister in Bless the Bride. So we did three productions in England, and then, as I just said, she ended up playing the the original Madame Giry, Mm. In Phantom. Yeah. Um, experiences like that original production of Phantom uh, and even Lacage, you also have access to those, those uh, American creatives who come out like Hal Prince or Jerry Herman, Arthur Lorenz. Arthur, came, Arthur Lawrence came out to direct us in, in um, Lacage of Fallen. He was fantastic. And then Hal, Hal Prince came out to direct us in Phantom. He was terrific too. He was wonderful. So I, yeah, it was. But you know, we've got wonderful directors here too, like Roger Hodgman, who directed Into the Woods for the Melbourne Theatre Company. We've got great directors here, but to have the original directors coming over to direct you from Broadway or London, yeah, it's 
that's a wonderful experience too, yeah. Mm. Going back to Australia, what, why did you decide to return? Were you homesick? Well, we had told our mum and uh, our family here that we would only go for two years, and we kept that promise. I could have stayed. We could have stayed on. I mean, I was just... I'd, I'd just been offered another role, actually, uh, in, in London, and my, my agent was trying to... Persuade. He said, I can get you an extension. I remember him saying that. I can get you an extension. Don't worry, I can get you an extension. And, but uh, Gail and I had said we would only go for two years, so we stuck to it, yeah. Do you ever wonder what might have happened if you'd stayed? Sometimes I did, not not now, but I did it sometimes. But I, I don't regret it at all because I came back here and I, I was fortunate to do all these other... Well, your career certainly took off again, didn't it? Yeah, you know, so, I mean... And I was with my family, which I wanted to be. So, no, there's no regrets or anything, no. Did you enjoy being a nun? <gasps> in nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Which role did you play? Were you the mother spirit? Uh, no, I was oh. my... Uh, Sister Amnesia. But very good. I said to the other girls, see, I can remember that. Okay, there was Georgie Parker. Georgie Parker played the novice. She was the young one. I was Sister Amnesia. Robin Arthur played the naughty nun, Robert Ann. Um, we had Maggie King, was the Reverend Mother, and Lo- Lois Colander played Sister Herbert. And we're all tap-dancing nuns. Underneath our habits, we had these tap shoes with big big colour bows on them. And Dolores Dunbar was our choreographer. And um, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I remember saying, jokingly, because I played Sister Amnesia, I said jokingly one day to the girls, well, you know, if I forget my dialogue, I'm playing Sister Amnesia, it doesn't matter. I can't. But I didn't. <laughs> You've got an excuse. Yeah. And Barry Creighton directed Barry, that. Barry Creighton directed it. Right. He did a great job. Yeah. He used to inspect your nails, I believe. He did because he was very thorough, a very, very, very good director and very thorough. And he, um, of course, nat- naturally, we didn't wear nail polish, you couldn't. But he used to check the, the length of our nails and make sure they weren't too long because nuns wouldn't have long nails, yeah. But that was just being very thorough. He was very good. Well, yeah. yeah, it's all mm. in the detail, isn't yeah, that's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Big River as Widow Douglas. Oh. I loved that show. I thought it was oh, so charming. Yeah. Do you know, I have such wonderful memories of Big River. I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I've made some... Well, you do, you make very good friends in all the shows you do along the way, but I have two very, very special friends from Big River. They're like my little brothers. They're like young brothers. Nicholas Ryan and Tim McGarry. Yeah. And um, Cameron Daddo played Huckleberry Finn, and he was fantastic. And I played the window, Widow Douglas in Act 1, and then I played Tom Sawyer's Aunt Sally in Act 2. Yeah. Darren Gilsh- Gilshanen. He was in it as well, He yeah. played Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we had... Yes, that was, it was that a great was, cast. John Ballon drew Forsyth. Yes, um... We had... Um, Roddy Dunbar. Rod Dunbar, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. It was, yeah, it was. It was really great. So, again, a different style of musical. Very um, country yeah. and western, wasn't it? Yes, it had a very... Yeah, we had a lot of banjos. <laughs> you know, that sort of sound. You know, it was the, the music. Yeah. 
quite a contrast to something like Phantom of the Opera, which was very classical and, and yeah, soaring. Exactly. Did Jury get to sing much? She sang in the um, the sestet, didn't she? Yes, and I had a few solo lines where I was delivering letters from the Phantom all the time. I was like the postman of the po- the postie of, <laughs> you know. Here I have a note. The Phantom would always give me the notes to hand to other people, if you might remember. So did you? So, oh, I have. I'd have a bit of solo singing here and there when I was delivering the mail. So did you think about what that relationship might have been between Jerry and the Phantom? Did, it was very mysterious. Did I, they know each other in a... I never thought time. of it that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> but Anthony Warlow, oh my gosh, what a voice. Yeah. And Anthony was great to work with. He, our dressing rooms, uh, Krista Lehman, who played... Carlotta. Carlotta. My dressing room, then... Krista's dressing room, then Marina, who's gorgeous, Marina's dressing room, and then Anthony's dressing room. And we're all in the basement of the, of the Princess Theatre, those four dressing rooms. Then you go up to the next... Uh, up above the stage level, there's another row of dressing rooms, you know, with more people. But we were down, and Anthony's got a gr- great sense of humour, and he would come to my dressing room and do impersonations... So then I'd go to his dressing rooms and tell jokes, his dressing room <laughs> telling tell jokes. So um, for Phantom was a wonderful experience and the technology of that show, my goodness, chandeliers and candles coming up and there was one time oh, <gasps> Dale Burridge, who played Raoul, he, we were on the bridge, he and I, up on the bridge, and he had to jump off the bridge and go right down through the stage. They had a great big mattress at the, underneath the stage for him to you know, land on. But he was told, because of the mechanics, they said, if the bridge doesn't come down to the right level for you, you're not to jump. Right. And there was a ladder that we had to climb down uh, from the end of the, the thing. And this time, I'm climbing down the ladder, and, and I didn't know that he hadn't jumped. And I feel clump on my hand. And I thought, what's that? And I thought, oh, it's Dale. He's coming down. He couldn't jump because the ladder, the, the bridge, I mean, hadn't Arrived. Co- come down to the right level for him. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was a wonderful experience doing Phantom, I must say. And having Hal Prince, as I said, you know, come out to direct us. He was lovely. And we're about to see it again at the um, Australian Opera in 2022. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's never-ending. They're doing uh, a production of it on the harbour. On the harbour? Yeah, on Sydney Harbour. Wow, on the harbour? Yeah. Whereabouts on the harbour? Well, been, uh, down, down at Fleet Steps, they've been doing it for about 11 years. They do a different opera there every year. Oh, OK, yes. Um, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I sang for Prince Charles at the Sydney Opera House. In a royal variety. A royal variety, yes. Right along with many, many other people. But Jill Perryman and I, we sang A Boy Like That from West Side Story because 1978 it was, and we were doing Side by Side by Sondheim at that time. Well, this is before Prince Charles had married Diana, and he was out here, and there was a royal variety show for Prince Charles at the Sydney Opera House, and the producers must have come along to see Side by Side, and for some reason they chose Jill and I to do A Boy Like That from West Side Story. And we all had to line up. 
oh, there's Graham Kennedy, June Bronhill, the Seekers, or people from the Australian Ballet. It was a big cast, of course. We all had to line up afterwards to meet him, you know, at backstage, yes. That was a thrill. Well, he, he, he had a good sense of humour right. because I remember what he said because at the rehearsal we, we had hand mics, Jill and I, and the, the sound was absolutely fine at rehearsal. Well, at the actual performance we had our mics out where you should have them about this level. Jill and I knew that they weren't quite right, so we just, we just slowly brought them in closer to our mouths. And he said to us, there was a bit of trouble, this Prince Charles, uh, a little bit of trouble with your microphones. And we said, yes. He said, I guess the man who was meant to be working the sound was out having a beer. <laughs> he must have been told that Australian men liked a beer. Yeah. And Jill, Jill said, well, if you say so, sir, or something like that, that she said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. So I, I thought, well, he's got a sense of humour. Yeah. Mm. Geraldine, how did you like to keep your dressing room? How did I like to keep them? Yeah, your dressing room. When you're in there, you're obviously a long run. You'd like yes. to make it like home, perhaps. Well, yes, we had... I, I used how do you to set have, it up? Well, it depends on what theatre you're in and everything. I like to... I don't know that I'm terribly neat and tidy, but I used to like to keep things fairly reasonable. But I remember in Phantom... Um, um, before I had the dressing room on my own, I was sharing with Sharon Miller-Chip, who played my daughter. She's... What a talent. She's fabulous. She played the lead in Beauty and the Beast. She played... Belle. Belle. Yeah. Anyway, she's, she's a wonderful talent. Um, but she and I were in the same dressing room to start with, and I used to play... On my CD, I used to... While we were getting our, doing our makeup and that, um, Judy Garland, and she'd be playing ABBA. And... <laughs> She used to love ABBA. I loved ABBA too. But it, that just came to me then. Um, but uh, I don't know with the, with the dressing rooms. I used to just uh, like to keep uh, a bit of music going while you know while I was getting made up, that sort of thing. Were you superstitious in the theatre? No. No, never. That. Some people are, but I, I never have been, no. no. I don't believe in superstition. <laughs> <laughs> so whistling was okay? Yes, but I remember... Some, I don't know what show I was in now. I remember them saying... Somebody whistled and they said, you've got to go outside and turn around three times or something. I thought, oh, gosh, what's all that about, you know? It's funny, isn't it? Was there a role that you would always like to have played but didn't get a chance to? Well, I suppose so. I think... Well, I'll tell you this story. Um, Carousel came along and I, I had just been doing uh, King and I and Orpheus in the Underworld for Garnet Carroll. And um, Susan Swinford had just been doing... And the King and I. And Susan, Susan Swinford was under contract with them for a certain amount of time. She'd just been doing Anna in The King and I. And... We were sitting in the stalls. I was sitting with John Carroll, Garnet Carroll's son, and he said to me, you know what, he said, um, and I haven't told anybody this before. I think I've mentioned it to Gail once, that's all. He said, um, we, we wanted you to play Julie in Carousel. He said, but 
Su we, we, we're giving it to Susan because she's still under contract with us. She's under contract with us for a certain time. And um, I understood, I understood, you know, but I thought, oh, I would love to have played Julie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, but, you know, I'm, not, I'm very, very grateful for all the roles I have played, you know, um, very grateful. Uh, I suppose you can always think that there might be others that you would have liked, but then there are times, you know, like um, I could have done, when I was offered Nonsense, I was also offered the musical Nine. I auditioned for Nine and I got the role of the German woman. I can't remember the name of the character. But the, the, there are times where you've got to make a choice. You can't do both at the same, same time. And, and they, they guaranteed me 12 months' work at least with Nonsense, which it was. Um, John Dietrich, who was directing um, Nine, he said to me very honestly, he said, well, look, I can't guarantee you how long we will play. And, and, and I, then I, was, I had to make that choice. I, I wanted to do both of them, but I couldn't. <laughs> so I did Nonsense, because I knew I was going to have a long run with that. Yeah. But Nine was a wonderful show. Oh, one of the best nights I've had in the theatre. Wonderful I think. show. Yeah. 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 No, it was. It was mm. truly, truly wonderful. But as a performer, you have to weigh that up sometimes, don't you? Do, do you do it for the art? Do you do it for the, the security? And, the, and you know that there's going, you're going to get a decent run out of it? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to pay the rent, don't you? You've got to pay That's the right. bills. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Geraldine Morrow, thank you so much. This oh, has been the you. most delightful hour chatting to you. Oh, it's an hour gone an already. An hour already, yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't even been looking at my watch. I wouldn't have looked at No. Have you had a good time? Oh, I've had a wonderful time. Yes. Well, really. I, th I think it's, it's great that you can reflect on such a, a vast career of incredible highlights. I mean, you, you've, you've got a CV which would be the envy of, of many um, a music oh. theatre performer, I think, the roles that you've uh, covered in your, oh. your career. So oh. thank you for what you've oh. given us, given oh, to audiences. Thank you. Yeah, oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much, Peter. Isn't Geraldine a delight? I told you so. We recorded that conversation back in December and I have been so excited to share it with you. If you're an aficionado of Australian cast recordings, you'll be familiar with the various performances of Geraldine that have been captured for posterity. Aren't we lucky? Thanks to Geraldine for a delicious conversation and a compelling lunch. Thanks too to Martin Croft, who suggested stages record with Geraldine and for helping us to connect. Thanks for joining us in this episode. I'm Peter Eyes. Keep well, keep warm, and I'll catch you next time.